it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Here we go, here we go. Coming to you live from the greatest country on the planet, broadcasting as we always do, from the tippy top of the world famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. We are fired up for a big episode of Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We call this show Top Shelf Radio in a Bottom Feeding political world and never has that descriptor been more true than it is today with a race to the bottom really picking up speed with some desperate attacks on Ron DeSantis and another effort out of the president of the United States to push gender transition surgeries on little kids. This guy's a serious ass. We're going to talk about it. It's a wild day. The Navy. Oh, my God. This one blew my mind. The Navy is increasing spending on climate change initiatives by 40% in a war. You know, because we wouldn't want to affect the weather, heaven forbid. Well, the, the bad news is you're all speaking Chinese now. We've been taken over. But the good news is the CO2 emissions haven't changed. Everything's going to be fine. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? I do not know, but we're going to try to figure it out. We've got three hours to pull it off. 888 and one way or the other, we're going to get that job done. It might be funny. It might be serious. You know. If I can't teach you one way, I'll teach you another. But I'm going to get the job done. Bottom line. And I'm going to have some good backup today. Uh, but you can be a Republican. You want to call and be a Democrat, be a Libertarian, be an Independent. We don't care. The only rule is that you don't be a <laughs> That is all. Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. Uh, fun people today. Daniel Turner is coming by. He is the executive director of Power the Future. And he's going to weigh in on this Navy thing. The climate initiatives in the mill. It kills me. It's, yo, it's war, okay? <laughs> it's, that one blows me away. But we'll get there because it's the bronze medal in terms of stupid things we're about to discuss t- today. There has never been a dumber time to be alive. Representative Ben Klein is going to be here from Virginia to talk about the, man, I guess they're calling it a budget proposal out of Joe Biden. I, you got to do better than that. But we'll start here. Uh, last night. You're a radio buddy. If you were watching Fallivision, we went off the radio and we went right on to the TV. We were on with Martha McCallum, had a great time. And then I was on with Laura Ingram last night at 10 o'clock as well. And if you didn't see the Ingram hit, I will post it on the Fox Across America Facebook page. But essentially, she threw to me and I made a joke, like a wildly off-color joke, where, as Laura will do, she'll either, you know, see what I'm wearing and be like, what are you doing? <laughs> Sometimes our hits are great because there's no filter, and I love doing TV with her for that reason. Because I'll come on Laura in, like, one of my jackets, and she'll look at me like, don't you have any respect for yourself? <laughs> I'm like, no, Laura, I don't. I dress like an overweight figure skater. But last night, it was the opposite. I told a joke out of the gate. It was actually a funny joke, but it was one of those moments where she looked at me like, What the hell did you just say? But I bring it up because as I made that joke, I was obviously joking, and it was a funny time. But I'm looking at the split split screen. Because, like, when I'm on TV here at a news channel, okay, or I'm at home in a home studio, we're showing all the other news stations. So we're all up to speed on what people are reporting and what's going on in the world. 
And as I'm making this outrageously stupid joke about KFC being sued over boneless chicken wings or, excuse me, Buffalo Wild Wings being sued over boneless chicken wings, it's a stupid joke, very off-color. Uh, but the point is, it was funny, people liked it, whatever. But as I'm making that joke, I'm watching someone on MSNBC make a very serious claim about Ron DeSantis. And it circles back to a discussion we were having yesterday where Joe Scarborough was trying to clown Ron DeSantis for the way he was throwing a baseball to Brian Kilmeade during their interview. If you remember, Scarborough was like, look, he can't even throw. What's going on here? You know, I don't care if you vote for Ron DeSantis. I'm not an activist. But when you see silly attacks like that, you realize that they have nothing. Bingo. To be clear, if you watch the DeSantis video, he's throwing the ball well because he grew up as a good ball player. He was on a Little League team in Dunedin, Florida that went to the Little League World Series. And then he went on to play ball at Yale and throws the ball like someone who played college baseball at a very elite level. Wrong. No, I figured Trump wouldn't like it. <laughs> but the point is, okay, he guy can throw a ball. But when Joe, when Joe Scarborough is devoting a segment of his show to saying, look at how he throws the ball. Okay, what he's really telling you in that moment is, Oh, Lordy Lord, he's desperate. They don't know how to go after DeSantis yet. Like I've pointed out how Trump's nicknames are a little bad. You know, it's like DeSanctimodious or DeSanct. It's terrible. When Trump was in his nickname Prime, he would put the first name first and the nickname, uh, excuse me, the nickname first, the first name second, Crooked Hillary, Lion Ted, Little Marco. You know, that's what he was doing. Sleepy Joe. So he's, you know, they're still working out a nickname for DeSantis. I don't doubt Trump will figure it out at some point. But I do have my doubts over whether or not MSNBC and the CNNs of the world are going to find a clean line of attack on DeSantis that object, objective observers are going to buy in on. Okay, because this latest one, and this was fascinating to me, like someone got on TV. You get hair and makeup before you go on TV. You know, in my case, I get hair and I get lots of makeup because if I go on without it, you look at that high definition image and you're ah! Ah, no, no! <laughs> like, whoa, Jimmy, you ever heard of a treadmill? Uh, but stick with me. The gentleman uh, in the clip I'm about to play you had time to go through hair and makeup, hobnob in a green room, read over the story he was sent to the television to comment on. And offered an opinion that the reason Ron DeSantis doesn't support limitless funding to Ukraine is because DeSantis likes Russia because there are no gay people there. That was embarrassing. I'm going to play you the clip, but it needed to be outlined so you understand where we're coming at this from. And you need to understand why it's happening. It's one, it's happening. Why? Because they can't lay a glove on the guy. So they're mischaracterizing his positions. I told you this way back when, when DeSantis passed the Parental Rights and Education Act. It was a six-page bill that I read on the air. It doesn't say the word gay once. It doesn't say you'll go to jail for being gay. It doesn't say you can't be gay. It doesn't say we don't like gay. It doesn't say anything. Florida has the biggest gay population in the country. Okay, think about that. Key West might be the gayest place in the world, but you want to know something else about Key West? It's awesome. He knows what he's talking about. Key West is great. It's gorgeous. Everybody's sloshed at 8 a.m. in the morning. They're boating and fishing. They're having a good time. Key West is amazing. So make no mistake about it. I'm not upset that it has this high gay population. It's a great place. Go have a good time. I feel the same way Ron DeSantis feels. Everybody in Florida feels. They don't care. Okay, there's nothing in... 
the Parental Rights and Education Act that criminalizes or ostracizes the gay community. Okay, it wasn't a ban on gay sexual orientation. It was a ban on all sexual orientation for kids between the ages of kindergarten and third grade. Okay, said so just don't be teaching little kids about sex at a time when they're supposed to be developed, developing and their brains are considered, you know, maybe too new, too fragile, not mature enough to be talking about risque subject matter like this. Let's focus on addition and subtraction. Okay, let's, let's add numbers before we start subtract, subtracting our genitalia. But anyway, they characterized that as a don't say gay bill. They lied. They went right on TV. Ah, oh, he's banning gay people. And, of course, Mickey Mouse, Disney World, they did the same thing. They're like, oh, screw you, DeSantis. Let me explain this to you one more time. They got all mad, right? Okay, and they did that, and they had their walkouts, and how dare you? And what did DeSantis ultimately do? Okay, he called them out on the hypocrisy that Disney at the time was accusing DeSantis of being hostile towards the gay community. While Disney themselves were doing business in 12 countries that legitimate, legitimately criminalized gay activity. So I guess we have some issues. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And what ultimately happened is DeSantis took away their special tax privileges, and rightfully so, because they were fraudulently gaslighting the public over some type of gay oppression with no regard for the toxic effect it would have on society. And Disney got the memo, and they shut up. And they got back to work and stopped the agenda activist stuff because they realized if it doesn't make dollars, it doesn't make sense. All right, now get out there and make me some good money. <laughs> but over at MSNBC, Stuart Stevens, I mean, who I don't know him particularly well, but this is just like in, this, this is a man devoid of all self-respect. And anybody who takes this comment seriously, devoid of any and all self-respect. Like, I understand that you need moral superiority and you're catering to an audience that just wants to be told they're better than the white people who vote Republican. But do you know how devoid you have to be of critical thought to invest in the line of attack I'm about to play you, to either A, say it on TV, or B, nod your head yes as he's saying it? Listen to this, but I'm telling you, this is embarrassing. Like, this is a low point. It's clip 18. We shouldn't overlook the, you know, the anti-woke guy, Ron DeSantis. His ideal is Putin's Russia where there are no gay people, where there are no women in power, where you know, they're all Christians. That's how he wants to see the world. That's the world. They, that's why they love Putin and they love autocrats. You are so full of <laughs> <laughs> They want to live in Russia because there's no gay people in Russia. That is a fact check false. Wait, what? Like, that's going on here? Who's taking the gay census over in Russia at MSNBC? When did that become a thing? But you understand why you say something so simplistic is because you're not selling an honest conversation. You're selling confirmation bias. People watch MSNBC. Their whole audience is white. There's nobody. I mean, it's like 99.9% white, and they're rich, and they're lazy because everything's done for them. They have concierge services and everything in between, so their thinking is done for them, too. So they just want somebody to get on TV and tell them in their white privileged world where climate change is a thing, you know, where you have the luxury of, well, you know, my kid's two years old. I'm going to talk him into transitioning. 
Do you think anybody poor, do you think any minority community is dealing with a massive wave of kids trapped in the wrong bodies? I think he's got a point. No. Chadwick Moore was saying this on the show yesterday. It's a white people thing, okay? It's like a status symbol for them. It's crazy. It's bananas, and we'll get into it. But you understand self-hating white people who don't, at this point, really do much of anything other than sit around congratulating themselves on their prosperity and reminding them that they're better than the people in the flyover states, will hear a statement like that. Oh, DeSantis wants to live in Russia because he hates gay people. And they won't even take the second to think critically and go, but wait, isn't he the governor of the state with the biggest gay population in America? No, they don't even ask themselves that question because they don't care. Okay, this is confirmation bias. But the reason they're going to have a hard time with DeSantis is he is waging substantive arguments that objective observers agree with. Objective observers agree that you shouldn't be teaching five-year-olds about sex and drag queens. Okay, but if you're in the confirmation bias business, you can portray DeSantis and his efforts to protect children as transphobia, as something that wants to lead to a spike in hate crimes, because that's what you do in the media. The media is a bunch of losers. Okay, but what they're doing is it's embarrassing, and it's very emblematic of the fact that they don't have anything. Let me give you this montage of DeSantis attacks. It's so much fun. It's clip 19. If Florida Governor Ron DeSantis becomes president of the United States, which he is clearly aiming for, America will become the land of total government control over women's bodies, black history, gender identity, how you can teach, learn, read, think, even talk. It's like the ultimate gaslighting to basically be steamrolling fascist policies into the state and, and, and doing so under the banner of freedom and rights. It's terrifying. It feels like a Soviet system or, you know, the way the Nazis would build a Potemkin village. He really has tried to turn himself into sort of a local Mussolini in Florida with the book banding and the brutal tactics. He is somebody that now has attacked African-American education. He is attacking any type of liberal arts education. This guy just seems like just sort of a curmudgeonly anti-black and anti-LGBTQ person. We have to call this what this is. This is fascism and authoritarianism that goes even beyond what Trump has talked about. Ron DeSantis is uniquely dangerous on cultural issues and his strive, his strive to take the nation back 50 years. If it ain't white, it ain't right in DeSantis stand. <laughs> Did you hear Joy Reid at the end of that one? If it ain't white, it ain't right. Joy Reid is a race baiting loser. Let me tell you something about all of these people. They don't believe any of what they just said there. Okay, their job is to sell confirmation bias to self-hating white people. That's why Joy Reid is still employable at MSNBC. There's no ratings beyond a small core of self-hating white people that need a black woman to tell them they're not racist every night while they champion policies that are actively harming the black community. Joe Biden's economic policies have led to a record level of inflation that is crushing the black community. Joe Biden's indifference, okay, to crime in this country into strengthening laws that affect criminals instead of cops and law-abiding gun owners is crushing the black community. The murder rate's at a 30-year high in the black community. Okay, when you talk about the border and fentanyl, good gosh. When you talk about defund the police... People who want to be told they're not racist are supporting the most damaging and consequential legislation to the black community in probably the last 50 years. But they can keep Joy Reid on the air 
because she allows them to get out of bed every day and find some group of white people to hate so they don't have to look inward at the things they hate about themselves. You're absolutely right. A show so good, it's hard to describe. It's not a matter of, it's a matter of, you just, oh, in the club, I mean, um, as, as, and, uh, you know. It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. You know, so, uh. The Will Cain Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Cain as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts. It is Fox Across America, and I do have to play you a quick clip from Joe Scarborough. No, God! No, God, please, no! Sorry, got to do it. Got to play the teams on the schedule. This is the Scarborough attack. I played this a few times yesterday, and he's trying to bring some type of negative attention to the way Ron DeSantis, a guy who played in the Little League World Series and started at Yale, throws a baseball. And this is just him speaking to a desperation on the left. It's so funny. But the point is, I'm highlighting the attack on DeSantis because this is the same thing they do to Trump and Nikki Haley. And if Tim Scott runs or anybody else gets into the race as a Republican, they'll attack anything. They just need to attack something. This is not objective reporting. These are just desperate activists masquerading as journalists. Journalism in this country is dead and buried. Good point, that Hannity guy. I could really, he, I'm telling you, he's, he's some, he's someday he's going places. Guy's going to be like national. It's going to be a big deal. Here is Oscar Scarborough, clip 21. We heard Ron DeSantis uh, had a, uh, you know, this guy played baseball at Yale. He had a, a softball interview uh, with Brian Kilmeade at Fox. And just look, here, here's a clip of them throwing the ball back and forth. Uh, they're, they're talking here, right? See that, Jonathan? Yeah, they're chatting. I want you to notice, I wanna, look at this throwing motion. It's a strange thing from Ron DeSantis here. Let's see if we can, if we can see it one more time here. It, it's, uh... Uh. <laughs> you know, DeSantis do, do we literally... Have, do we have that yeah. again? Look at this. Uh, well, okay, so so here he is. Do we have wee? Do we have that in slow mo? I want to ISO this, and just mm. so your your boys will learn how not to throw a ball. Uh, it's just like, do we have slow mo here? Okay, ready? Wee! Oh, shut up, woman. I mean, come on. What are we? What are we watching here? It's so embarrassing. But it's and I understand if you go watch the video of Sanders throwing a ball. The guy started at Yale. His team went to the Little League World Series. He doesn't have to throw a ball. Never mind that you're endorsing a guy who can't make it up a flight of stairs without falling down three times. Come on, man. But when Joe Scarborough tries to take exception to the way Ron DeSantis correctly throws a ball, what he's ultimately highlighting is his own inability to throw a ball. Joe Scarborough is just so miserable. Go home, fill up the bathtub, stick your head in and scream, you loser. is the phone number used by my man Alex, who joins us now on Fox Cross America. Yo, Alex. 
Hey, Jimmy, thanks for taking the call. By the way, great job on Gutfeld on Monday. It was fantastic in the time before it was also. I'm actually waiting for Failovision to begin, and I'm assuming it's going to be at 7 o'clock on Saturday night, every Saturday night. Whoa. It's going to be called Failovision. It's going to, oh. The host is going to be Jimmy Fela. I know that guy, by the way. <laughs> Yo, that would, that would be nuts. Like, that would that, be really cool. Can I, can I tell you, like, between you and me, like, pie in the sky, when people are like, oh, what do you want to do? Okay. Short term, I really want to beat Lincoln and Madden because he's been beating me in Xbox a lot, and I'm catching and a lot of crap around my house. But, yeah, you know what would be cool to do? It would be go up against Saturday Night Live and just beat it head-to-head. Like, that would be amazing. I think it's going to happen. But uh, you were talking about the interview that uh, Ron DeSantis had with Brian Kilmeade, and you had these two jerks. I don't even know their names from the (laughs) left-wing media that they were saying – they were calling it a softball interview mm-hmm. that Brian Kilman had with Ron DeSantis, and they're making fun of the interview. But here's the thing. Joe Biden always does softball interviews because the guys asking him the questions are asking him softball oh, yeah. questions because he can't answer any tough questions. But here's the difference. Nobody throws a football at Joe Biden during an interview because he wouldn't be able to catch it. <laughs> well, he's, you know, he's also going to – if he does get his hands on it, he's going to throw it to an invisible receiver. Which never looks oh. good. You, you throw the ball to him, he turns and throws it in the other direction. There's nobody standing there. You're like, what the hell did you just do? What am I, a dog playing fetch? No, and they know that. It's, oh, yep. it's, it's funny that you pick up on that because one of the interesting stats about Biden is he has done, comparative to previous presidents Trump and Obama, okay, he has done 300 less interviews at this point in his presidency oh than they have. So he's only getting trotted out there if they've already pre-approved the questions and they know there's going to be no pushback. Oh, and it's Still goes bad. I mean, that's what's crazy. So my hope, Alex, is they're not fooling you. I hope they're not fooling the rest of the country. Because if people are paying attention objectively, okay, Mm -hmm. saying Ron DeSantis wants to move to Russia because there's no gay people is not a valid criticism. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely not. He wouldn't want to go there because they wouldn't treat him very well because they like Democrats more than they like Republicans. (laughs) I think Putin likes Joe Biden more than he likes Trump and Ron DeSantis because he didn't invade Ukraine when Trump was president, right? He didn't do it when a Republican was president because he knew he wouldn't be able to get away with it very easily. Nope, that's the Uh, point. The women's sanctions put on him right away when he was circling the border around Ukraine. He was testing us. If if it was was Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis, both of them would have taken action immediately and he would have backed off saying he was just practicing. You can't the border. Yeah, I don't know who could argue with you because these invasions don't take place under Republicans like they really they happen under Democratic presidents. Mm -hmm. And Jimmy, I just wanted I was I was thinking this morning, you know, uh, about I don't know if it's a good joke. I'm not that very good at saying jokes, but I was just thinking. You know, when Joe Biden lies, what's the symptom of when he's lying? Uh I'm thinking it's very simple. It's when Joe Biden lies because when he says. I remember when I was 50 years younger and I saw two guys wearing suits and I was with my dad and they were loving each other. I'm like, dude, you don't remember what yesterday was. There's no way that he remembers 50 years ago. Well, that's a fair point. There's a fair point. You know, when like he's introducing his cabinet and he forgets their names, he's like Javier Bacaria. He goes, instead of saying his name, he goes, you know, the guy that runs that thing over there. (laughs) He didn't say his name. He doesn't know who his wife is. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, I was going to play that Biden clip. So good job. We'll give you an assist for the setup. Good job, Alex. Oh, thank you. See you, brother. So he brings it up. Alex is talking about softball interviews. And I was specifically going to play Biden's clip from The Daily Show in which he claimed that he supported gay marriage 50 years ago. You were lying your ass off. And when you talk about 
softball interviews. Where is the pushback in what Joe Biden's about to say here? Clip 16. I can remember exactly where my uh, epiphany was. Okay. I hadn't thought much about it, to tell you uh-huh. the truth. And I was, a, I was a senior in high school. And my dad was dropping me off. And I remember about to get out of the car and I looked to my right. And two well-dressed men in suits kissed each other. I mean, they gave each other a kiss. And then one went, looked like he was heading to the DuPont building, and one looked like he headed to the Hercules Corporation building. And I'll never forget, I turned and looked at my dad. He said, Joey, it's simple. They love each other. It's simple. No, I'm not joking. It's simple. They love each other. You are so full of sh- Makes me laugh every time. Okay. Joe Biden had an epiphany in high school that he needed to support gay marriage. And that epiphany was so profound. It inspired him in such a way. It filled his body with so much inertia and adrenaline and zest for the fight that he spent the next 50 years opposing gay marriage in the House of Representatives and the Senate. I can't believe the American people can't see through this. We already have a law, the Defense of Marriage Act, where we've all voted, not where I voted and others said, look, marriage is between a man and a woman, and states must respect that. Nobody's violated that law. There's been no challenge to that law. Why do we need a constitutional amendment? Marriage is between a man and a woman. What's the game going on here? Ah, you don't say. Wait a minute now. Do you get what's happening? Like, this is just a man of no principle. He doesn't have any principle. He doesn't have any shame. So he's there on The Daily Show saying, oh, I had an epiphany. I came out in support of gay marriage 50 years ago. And the guy at The Daily Show, any self-respecting human being at all, is supposed to be like, oh, that's weird. So you supported gay marriage 50 years ago. How come you viciously fought it? in the House of Representatives and the Senate for the next 50 years. I mean, it would seem weird that someone who had this epiphany spent 50 years fighting it. But did anybody ask that follow-up question? The answer would be no. Yet there's MSNBC talking about softball interviews. Dude, it's embarrassing. Like, we're living in the death of shame. And part of that shame comes in what I'm about to play you here, something I've been heavily focused on. It's a weird thing, but kids' issues pop for me because I'm a dad and I'm trying to be a decent one. Uh, I don't bring a lot to the table intellectually. Like, I'm fun. I've taught my kid how to have a good time. Uh, You know, it's a good vibe guy like me, dog with a job type of thing. And, you know, Jenny kind of does like the grown-up parenting in her house. But, um, you know, when it comes to things that overlap with my experiences as someone who has been, you know, lucky enough to raise a child – You know, they really pop for me. Like I talk about fentanyl to the point of exhaustion because I cannot impress it upon you enough. If you're listening to the show for the first time, nobody overdoses on fentanyl. They get poisoned. And the reason I point that out is because the connotation of overdose is, oh, they did so many drugs, they eventually took too many and they died. That's not why people are dying from fentanyl. They're dying from fentanyl because it's a lethal substance. You can interact with it and drop dead. could be your very first time doing drugs. You are now dead. You are not a habitual drug user. You are not an out-of-control drug user. You are somebody who recreationally tried drugs and died. Folks, it's bad. And we have to be honest about that discussion and the dereliction of duty at our southern border that's allowed it to continue. But it's an issue that matters to me because I'm raising a kid. It resonates with me. So I focus on it because I know there are parents listening. It's the same thing with the transgender thing. Jenny and I talk about the transgender thing every day. 
okay? She comes down the stairs in the morning when I'm doing my writing, and, you know, I try to get her hands off me. You know, she's very attracted to me, obviously. You are so dumb. You are really dumb, for real. But if I can, like, you know, I have a squirt gun. Like, she'll come up and, like, no. You know, and she'll try to, you know, lean in for a kiss. Like, uh-uh. Yeah, you have to talk her down, okay? But the point is, once you get her to the place of a conversation, I get it. There's a lot of man candy on the couch. I guess she's excited. She's got a sweet tooth. But once you get her to calm down, uh, we talk about the trans thing every day and the little developments and the updates that go on, okay? And they really jump out to me because one of the clips out of the Florida legislature yesterday, okay, the, the Democrats in the Florida state legislature are accusing Ron DeSantis of erasing trans babies. Not even close! And you want to know why I say not even close? Because there is no such thing as a trans baby. Correct mundo. A baby does not come out of the womb. Wah! Wah! I'm trapped in the wrong body! A baby has no idea where it is. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. No idea what it is. No idea where it is. No one is coming out of the womb trans. Okay? If your one-year-old, if your two-year-old, if your three-year-old is trans... Because you forced the ideology on them. Bingo. Hey, do you feel like you're trapped in the wrong body? You might be trapped in the wrong body. I got to tell you, I think you're trapped in the wrong body. You ever get the feeling you're not in the right body? That's what's going on. Okay, this is a failure of parenting. But it's so barbaric to us that this is happening because we have raised a child and because we only have one child. We've really paid attention to this kid. Like, we invest everything we have in him. We talk to him all the time. I put him on the radio. We hang out with him. I take him on the road to do comedy shows. And, uh, you know, it's the greatest thing about being me is hanging out with the link man. But we just have the best time. But we really pay attention to the individual development and evolution of a child. I was saying this yesterday. Lincoln hated sports till the age of 12. Hated it. Hated sports. Did not care. Didn't want to watch it. Didn't want to talk about it. Why are you watching that? Like, we'd have a Super Bowl party at my mom's house every year. It's a huge party. It's the best part of the year for us. And he'd be in the den, like, playing video games, doing whatever. Just didn't care. And that's fine. I wasn't going to be the guy, I wasn't going to be the guy who forced sports onto his kid. But lo and behold, Lincoln had an epiphany. When he was 12 years old and became a big sports guy, we started having more catches during the lockdowns and he started to watch and he started to compete and he started to join intramural leagues. And now he is like a relentless sports lunatic. But the point is he evolved between the ages of 12 and 14. If you tell a five-year-old kid you can get a permanent life-altering surgery at an age where they have plenty of evolving left to do, You are really being cavalier and barbaric with the long-term well-being of that kid. That's true. That is true. So when you hear something like this clip, which is, again, it's insane to me. When you talk about someone is erasing trans babies, when you talk about Joe Biden saying, oh, it's it's immoral if you don't go out there and we don't give these kids the, you know, the care. Just listen to this clip. It's it's psychotic, man. This is clip 15. We are in a legislature where the Republicans have hijacked the word liberation. They have hijacked the word freedom. We are here to resist their transphobic slate of hate legislation. You are erasing our trans babies. <laughs> this is Looney Tunes. Looney Tunes? That's all, folks. Wait, what? You are erasing trans babies? No. You. 
you, lady, are creating trans babies. That's what's going on here. Folks, I, I'm telling you because I care. I've raised one kid. They're not born trans. They don't come out and think they're trapped in the wrong body. The baby comes out and it goes, where the hell am I? And then it farts. <laughs> it has no idea what's going on. Little crazy motions with its hands and its feet, and it cries, and it's cute, and it's everything in between, but it doesn't think it's trapped in the wrong body. And here's a newsflash. If the kid does start to feel like it's trapped in the wrong body, at two, at three, at four, at five, or six, or seven, or eight, just let it keep growing, okay? Let the child continue to develop, and if, as an adult, the child decides through its own volition, as its own legal guardian, self-representative under the eyes of the law, it wants to transition, let them. Absolutely let them. And this is the part of this argument that's so disgusting. The people I just played you in that clip, you're erasing trans babies as transphobia. That's how they're characterizing us sticking up for these kids giving these kids the free range to evolve into the adults they will become and make their own decisions. These are adults either A, making the decision for the kid, or B, not being enough of a parental presence to emphasize their own judgment in letting the kid evolve, giving the kid that longer runway to become what he or she might. Because here's a newsflash. There might be little kids think they're trapped in the wrong body. This is America. If they grow up to be 18, 19, 20 and still want to transition and go transition, that's on them. They're adults. Okay, fine. That's absolutely fine. I don't say they shouldn't have that right. I'm not saying they shouldn't feel safe or tolerant in our society. They should absolutely do that. Okay, but there's only one side of this argument that's being indifferent to the well-being of kids. Okay, when you take a five-year-old kid and deny him the right to evolve intellectually into a six-year-old, a seven-year-old, an eight-year-old, a nine-year-old, a ten-year-old, and keep becoming who they are. You yourself have denied them their freedom. Like, I'm talking about just their freedom to grow as a human being. You have stepped in and enabled whatever this decision happens to be. And I'm not saying some kids won't grow out of it, but here's a newsflash. Most of them will. And if you go out and you transition, and now you have committed your child to a lifetime of surgery, a lifetime of drugs. Yeah, there's plenty of people pushing it. There's plenty of people are pushing it in the medical community. Why? Because if you need surgeries and you need a lifetime of drugs. Money, 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 money. They don't care about your kid. Oh, my God, no. And the Democrats don't care about your kid unless your kid votes Democrat. Okay, ask Caitlyn Jenner if the Democrats are supportive of transgender Republicans. Go out and ask her. Okay, imagine what they're going to say. It's horrific, the hate she gets. And she was the face of the whole movement. And then she said she voted Republican and the Democrat, forget about it. They were just, oh, my, they lost their mind. Get them out of here. Get them out. Not even her. They turned her back into Bruce. You know, it was nuts. But think about that. Okay, in this moment. You know, the people being barbaric, the people being cavalier with the well-being of children are the ones claiming they care about them the most. Democrats are so full of crap. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I enjoyed it. It was an unbelievably interesting experience. It is Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. Daniel Turner is coming up. He's the executive director of Power the Future. He is talking about the Navy's decision to up its climate spending 
That's stupid. Use your common sense. <laughs> That's what I'm doing in the next hour. You're going to have the opportunity to try to talk me out of like an actual meltdown. This is a positive, upbeat energy. You know, that's the whole show. It's me telling you about my life and my family and the things we do and what it's like to be on TV every day. And it's, you know, just our little hang. But once in a while, things happen that really like they hurt my brain because it just seems so stupid. It just seems like such a misappropriation of resources. One of them we've been focusing on in this hour is Biden and the Democrats and their manufactured civil rights movement. Here is Biden on The Daily Show talking about how it's a sin, okay, to not allow kids to transition early in life. Clip 17. Transgender kids is a really harder thing. What's going on in Florida is, as my mother would say, close to sinful. I mean, it's just terrible what they're doing. It's not like, you know, a kid wakes up one morning and says, you know, I decided I want to become a man or I want to become a woman or I want to change. I mean, what, what, what are they thinking about here? They're human beings. They love, they have feelings, they have inclinations that are, I mean, it, it just to me is, I don't know, it, it's cruel. And the way we do it is we make sure we pass legislation like we passed on same-sex marriage. You mess with that, you're breaking the law, and you're going to be held accountable. Oh, Joe Biden. You are a sad, strange little man. <laughs> you know, you just like we did with gay marriage. Joe Biden opposed gay marriage for 50 years. Then it became politically expedient. He thought he'd get votes for it. He's like, yeah, I like gay marriage. That's where he is on trans rights. Okay, he's, oh, this is popular within the party? Then, yeah, no, I like it. That's what I know. Absolutely, totally. There is, there's, I'm just telling you, these people are so wildly unprincipled. But when you start doing it at the expense of young kids, nobody on the right is saying don't transition. Nobody on the right is saying you can't transition. Nobody on the right is saying harm people who do. They're saying don't do it to the children. That's all, idiots. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There he is, back in action. Big hour coming up. Fox Across America with your main man, Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy, there he is. Uh, Daniel Turner's coming by. He is the founder and the executive director of Power the Future. And today might be the day he finally drops an F-bomb on the air when it comes to the Biden administration's climate priorities. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! I'm being honest. There's always a good reason to tune into the show. It's silly. You know, you get a lot of big names. We have to talk about some big happening stories. And, you know, it's kind of a lighthearted vibe. I always say radio is a buddy cop movie. You get in the car, you hear a partner's voice coming out of the speakers, and you decide whether or not you can ride along with this guy and fight crime. I kind of pride myself on being a good hang in the cop car. That's what I'm here to be. So the vibe is generally a pretty welcoming vibe. But from time to time, we get these other things, uh, these other moments, these lapses in judgment from the Biden administration, from the folks in charge of climate policy. They're crazy. Where they're really prioritizing just the absolute woke, stupid things. I'm sick and tired of all this bullshit. That was Daniel Turner texting me this morning. But this one about the Navy. The Navy! You can weigh in in this hour. I'll try to squeeze calls in later. 888 788-9910. The Navy. I understand. It's not the Marines. Okay. So, you know, whatever. But if you in the Navy, thank you. We thank you for your service. And we really appreciate you and all the fine work you've done. Uh, but the point is the Navy. Okay. So this, what I mean is this is not 
all of our armed forces, but in a way it is because these policies don't generally happen in one group and not make their way into every other group. Okay, but understand the Navy has a new proposal to fund climate change resiliency programs in 2024, according to budget plans revealed Monday. The Navy wants Congress to fund an additional $397 million in climate change programs. And if Congress grants the funding between the Navy and the Marines, spending on climate-related programs in the fiscal year 2024 will top $1.47 billion. What the hell is the world coming to? Okay, when they use the term, the term is climate resiliency. And the explanation they give for climate resiliency is it is a national security and warfighting imperative for the Department of the Navy to address the impact of climate change on readiness, operations, and the ability to fight and win. Thank you for the education, gentlemen. We've just received a Ph.D. in stupidity. (laughs) Stupidity. Yo. Climate change, I'm telling, I'm just listen, I'm telling you this, climate change is a scam and everybody pushing it, telling you there's a climate emergency, telling you the world's on fire, immediately finishes the speech by passing around a collection plate. Please give us money. And then what do they do from there? They fly home on private jets and follow none, none of the climate edicts they've issued for you. That's just how white folks will do you. Okay, and it's become the biggest lobbying uh, vehicle for the Democratic Party, and it's become, i got to be honest with you, a major, a major piece of our platform in the the D.C. establishment. Okay, again, it is a national security and war-fighting imperative that we address the impact of climate change on readiness, operations, the ability to fight and win? You're not telling me the truth. No, it's not. Nobody has any data that climate change is impacting the readiness, the operations, or our ability to fight a war. Okay, it's not a thing. They don't have a study. You know the old adage, you have the facts, pound the facts, you have nothing, pound the table. They're pounding the table. Well, the climate change is going to stop us. Now, the only thing that's going to stop us are these idiotic woke imperatives. Everything woke turns to But according to them, according to the documents, rising shores and extreme temperatures that contribute to harsh coastal weather seen as associated with man, seen as associated. Does that sound like data to you? The answer would be no. Is there any data furnished in the report? The answer would be no. Weird. Seen as associated with man-made climate change. Folks, there are people who see someone saw Joy Behar as good-looking. It was seen. Someone saw her as good. I think he's got a point. (laughs) Who is doing the seeing here? Because they don't have any data to describe the image they saw. But stick with me. I'm worked up about this one. Uh, these, <laughs> it poses a serious risk to Navy and Marine Corps personnel, weapons, and bases globally. When was the last time you heard of a missile falling out of the sky because the temperature changed one degree? I mean, really think of the insanity 
of what you're being sold here and why are you being sold this insanity? It's not about war. It's not about weapons. It's about money, 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 money. When it comes to climate change, if it don't make dollars, it don't make sense. Pay up, suckers. Okay. The Navy's budget proposal includes funding to lease electric vehicles for non-tactical uses. Oh, weird, huh? So they want electric vehicles for non-tactical uses. Do you know why they don't want them for tactical uses? Because they're not dependable. Oh, wow. Let's talk about it. Whoa, hold on. Electric cars. They're better than gas cars. They're the greatest. So how come when the money's on the table, when the game is on the line, when the two fighters have entered the ring, they are staring each other down. That's what's going on. I'll break you in half like a little toothpick. But in that moment, are there any electric vehicles being counted on? So tell me again how they're just as good and just as dependable as the gas cars they're trying to ban. Do you understand what's going on right now in this country? We have people in Washington that don't know what they're doing. Yo, Navy's budget proposal includes funding to lease electric vehicles for non-tactical uses. So that's what we're worried about here. How does that affect our ability to fight a war? That we need electric cars driving around on the bases? How does that impact the potency of a troop or a gun or a missile or anything? The answer is it doesn't. They're going to construct EV charging stations and install various power-saving and backup equipment on department installations. So you understand this isn't about missiles. This isn't about war. This is about climate crazies making money off the grift. Okay, additionally, it sets aside money for carbon sequestration projects meant to restore natural environments, meant to capture and store carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. Wait, what? Oh, you know, we, people don't tell you is when we stormed the beach at Normandy, when the greatest generation came running out of the boats, the reason they were so fierce, the reason they were so determined is they knew we had the advantage when it came to carbon sequestration. <laughs> Guys, come on, man. We're talking about war. Like war. Kill the guy. Kill the other guy. Do you think China, you think Russia, you think anybody out there is like, well, you know, we've got this big war to fight, so uh, let's go worry about tactical, non-tactical electric vehicles and carbon sequestration. The answer would be no. No. We're the only idiots prioritizing this. Yo, this is war. Do you understand? This is like pretty soon we're going to have speech police on the battlefield. Well, soldier, I'd love to have you kill the enemy, but you did misgender the enemy. So we're going to have to take you off the battlefield. You've been suspended. I mean, do you realize what's going on in this country right now? You know, it's bananas. Okay, last summer, the Navy hosted a first-of-its-kind climate tabletop exercise to examine the impacts that climate change has on mission readiness and war fighting capacity. Navy Secretary Carlos del Toro said last year he chose climate as a focal point for his tenure as the department's top official. This is ridiculous. Okay, so the top official at the Navy. You know, they launched the planes you saw on Top Gun. Think about that. Highway to the danger zone. Highway to the climate zone. 
Think about that. It's bananas. His top, his focal point, we, close, we chose climate as a focal point for my tenure. Think about that. The guy's in charge of the Navy, a fighting branch of our armed forces. Well, more importantly, the weather in 50 years. Listen, I get that China has taken a fleet of aircraft carriers and surrounded Taiwan. I understand they're about to launch one of the most brutal naval assaults in the history of the world. But more importantly, how will this impact the weather? We really are being laughed at and scoffed at throughout the world. They just, they're not respecting our country the way they used to. Here's the greatest lie of the century. Our naval forces, the United States Navy and Marine Corps, are in the crosshairs of the climate crisis. The threat increases instability and demands on our forces while simultaneously impacting our capacity to respond to those demands. Hey, where's the big study on this one? Where's the data that says the climate? We have no data that says the climate is impacting anything. Okay, the data that's been given to us was 1970. We're all going to be frozen to death in 10 years if you don't change everything. 1980, we're all going to melt in 10 years if you don't change anything. 1990, all right, we didn't quite melt, but it's getting hotter. 2000, all right, we're not melting, but the weather's changing. It's climate change. Climate change is a catch-all. Why is it a catch-all? Because it means anything, literally anything that happens in the weather can be linked to their quest for more funding. That's, oh, there's a hurricane. Please give us money. Whoa, it's snowing in California. Please give us money. Do you get what's going on here? Climate change means any time the weather changes, here's a newsflash, changes every day. Any time the weather changes, they can pass around that collection plate. Pay up, suckers. And I respect the grift. Like, yo, I respect the grift. Finding a gullible group of idiots and milking them for all they're worth, why, go get them. You know, what's the old line in Rounders? The movie Rounders, okay, is good. You don't know this. Here's some good inside baseball. Brian Koppelman and David Levine wrote Rounders. Funny guys, good guys. And uh, they both write and executive produce a show on Showtime called Billions. Very successful show. Huge show. And uh, both good, funny guys that kind of hate me uh, because I work at Fox News because they're in like super-duper elite liberal Hollywood. Uh, But they were like early supporters of my career. We used to go to stand-up shows and stuff like that. And I'm not like this is me calling them out and saying I hate them. This is me saying that in Hollywood it's not politically expedient to be friends with a guy who's a pretty prominent Fox News figure. Uh, But in their movie Rounders, they have a line where they say it's more immoral to let a sucker keep his money than it is to take it away from him. And I always, like, I always love that line. I admire your honesty. It's more immoral to let a sucker keep his money than it is to take it from him. And that is the climate change grift. So I respect it on that level. You look out at the world, you're John Kerry. You ran for president and got blown out. I mean, just in, you know, down goes Frazier, down goes Frazier, not even a close fight. That was embarrassing. Terrible. And what did they do? They claimed the election was stolen. They're like, oh, Republicans stole it in Ohio. You know, in 2000, what did they say? Ah, Republicans stole it in Florida. In 2016, what did the Democrats say? Ah, Republicans stole it with Russia. But in 2020, knowing Democrats have claimed three stolen elections in the last 20 years, Trump claimed stolen election, and they were like, oh, hell no. You can't be no, uh uh-uh. You can't be talking about no stolen election. It's embarrassing. I get it. That's why they've lost a lot of objective observers. But you dig, I can support the idea of taking money from gullible people. But when we start putting those gullible people 
not at the ATM, but in the halls of Congress, in the leadership positions in our military. It starts this climate change grift starts to happen at the expense of our preparedness and our well-being and our ability to maintain peace through strength in the world by having a fighting force so fierce that everybody would rather behave than watch us climb into the ring and take off the, the robe. You know, you don't want none of this. That's how this got done. Peace through strength. Now you're telling me we have chaos through teleprompter and climate change. This is a bad look for the country. And I'm out here in the real world and I know what's right or wrong or bullshit. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It's like it's a it's a game changer. It is the dumbest time there's ever been to be alive in this country. I say it every day. Weapons-grade stupid, the people running this country. We're going to be having that discussion with Daniel Turner. He's the executive director of Power the Future, and he's going to have to weigh in on the idea that our Navy and the guy running it says his top target is how climate change affects naval readiness. I'm telling you. It's so dumb. It hurts my brain. It really, like, it's hard for me. And I'm not smart. Like, this is not an academic radio show. The people, people the reason people like it is we're talking in very plain spoken terms. Why? Because I don't have the ability to speak in any other terms. Yo, folks, this is all I got. But when you start to hear stuff like that, my goodness gracious, it hurts me. It hurts my brain. I'm like, wait, what? And nobody cares. No one, like, is interested in any level of accuracy or, you know, just basic common sense. It's it's a war, dude. Nobody you're going to fight that war against is worried about having enough electric vehicles in non-tactical positions. But understand the bigger point to be made here is they're pushing electric cars on you. They're openly admitting that they don't want them on the battlefield. Why? Because they're not as dependable as the fossil fuels. Bingo. Do you know how many places in the world have suffered from power outages, lack of a functioning grid? I mean, you think of Germany. They enacted every pie-in-the-sky climate fantasy that we were pushing here. And what did they wind up doing all last year? Opening up coal plants. Why? Because the solar and the wind weren't getting it done. But here's another point, and it's really worth considering. Every time we spend money on solar and wind and stuff like that, you know what we're giving the money to? We're giving it to China. China, our biggest geopolitical foe in the world, the biggest polluter in the world. We're giving them money to help us pretend to care about the environment. Our enemy is getting richer while simultaneously realizing the weakness in us is that we prioritize things in battle other than strength, other than victory. The famous Douglas MacArthur quote, every once in a while, like something famous, it gets into me, you know, and it sticks with me. And I'll never forget when I took a tour of the old Yankee Stadium. They have a sign hanging up in the tunnel where the players run out onto the field. George Steinbrenner put it there because he was a big champion of the United States military. He loved Patton. And the late, great George Steinbrenner, the boss, very patriotic, you know, always playing God bless America and, you know, everything in between. Well, he had a Douglas MacArthur sign hanging up in the tunnel. 
with the famous quote, there is absolutely no substitute for victory. What a good thing to have in the back of your head as opposed to what we're dealing with now. Well, victory would be nice, but uh, could you keep the emissions down? (laughs) I don't know if this is actually no one is hanging up that sign in a locker room anytime soon. Like, seriously, I am a mild-mannered guy, but this is the kind of stuff that makes me want to punch somebody in the fat, climate-friendly face. Never hit anyone in anger unless you're absolutely sure you can get away with it. It is Fox Across America, your radio buddy Jimmy Fallon, and joining me now on the show... One of my radio buddies, wish him luck holding it together today. This one is just, I say, weapons grade stupid, uh, but he's as sharp as they come. Daniel Turner's in the house. Yo, Daniel Turner. I am glad you think I'm as sharp as they come because, you know, I have some high school transcripts that tell me very much otherwise. So thank you, Jimmy. (laughs) Listen, okay, you don't have to brag that one of us finished high school. All right, tough guy? (laughs) No one needs to be shown up by your own academic prosperity. Um, Well, let's let's start with high school really quick because I have other things I want to get into. But did you catch Greta Thornburg editing or excuse me, I believe she deleted a tweet. Uh. That was from 2018. Did you catch that by any chance about the world I ending? I did, oh. and, and, I, and I put out on social media that I think we're being unnecessarily hard to her because she tweeted it in June of 2017, 2018 and said we had five years left, uh-huh. and it is not June yet. So if you, you know what? <laughs> There's still three months to go, and you know, if you now those are some bad odds, right? Those aren't <laughs> Vegas odds, but if you think humanity could get wiped out in the next three months— uh, it's quite possible. <laughs> yeah, like, shouldn't she have ridden with the tweet for another, just to give herself the window of correctness? Or was this like some preemptive house cleaning knowing the deadline was going to come? Because someone's probably running this account. Well, no, I'm sure. But, you know, we've how many times have we heard these? I mean, Al Gore has hundreds of these that have not come true. Mm-hmm. But even, you know, you have to remember the famous AOC, like when she said, like we, you know, like only have like, 10 years left to live. And she said that, I believe, going on four, five, maybe even six years ago. I don't remember when she rose to fame. Yep. So, I mean, her countdown clock is through also. <laughs> we might. And if you want to put some odds, mm-hmm. you know, that the world's going to end, you know, I mean, you can go to Vegas. <laughs> the problem with the world's going to end bet is I'm like, how do you collect on that if you win? Hmm, that's a tough one, right? <laughs> I mean, I guess. I guess that's not something to be good about winning, right? Yeah. Um, but I guess you have the moral victory of saying, see, I was right. We're all dead. <laughs> Told you. Um, well, listen, <laughs> we're talking to Daniel Turner, the executive director of Power of the Future. We're not winning anything in the way of war if this report I just read, like I was apoplectic. So the Navy is upping their increase in, in terms of spending on climate resiliency, by 40%. And the guy running the Navy, I want to I get his name right. It's such a proud moment for him and his family. But he said, uh, Navy Secretary Carlos del Toro said last year when he was given the job, he chose climate as the focal point for his tenure as the department's top official. So you're yeah. telling me in a war, our biggest concern is carbon emissions? That doesn't sound like a recipe for success. 
I think China is absolutely thrilled we are going to have our Navy focus on climate change because their Navy is focused on the South China Sea, uh, on, on the Straits of Taiwan, right? So absolutely, they are like full throttle ahead, America. Focus on all of your climate change stuff. You know, as we look at the world becoming really more and more volatile, and obviously the war in Ukraine, uh-huh. we see China's incursions and threats around the world. There are spy balloons over America. They just negotiated a huge deal with Iran and, and, and Saudi Arabia. It's laughable that Joe Biden made those comments during the campaign. Like when I sit down with the generals, they tell me climate change is the biggest threat. No, I'm not joking. I'm not joking. They tell me climate change. And you say, really, is climate change? Ask the people of Ukraine how afraid they are of climate change. Oh, my gosh. And, and I was told for quite a while that the biggest threat was corn pop. By the way, yeah. <laughs> how, did, how did he get demoted? Like, are you telling me he lost a step? I don't, I don't know how I feel about this. Uh, but Yeah, it, nonsense. Well, this is the point. So as I was reading there, this, this little release, okay, I'm reading you these, their exact words. It is a national security and warfighting imperative for the Department of the Navy to address the impact of climate change on readiness, operations, and the ability to fight and win. Could you think, if we were playing devil's advocate, how climate change is impacting our ability to fight and win a war other than the fact that we're funding these ridiculous initiatives instead of, I don't know, maybe throwing more money towards training and weaponry. Yeah. And and if we are going to, you know, ready our fleet with climate change, which I don't really know what that means, but really we're just writing a check to China because they manufacture. Go ahead. That's what I was saying. Yes. Yeah, 70% of all the stuff. So we're making China's army really rich. They're going to invade Taiwan, and then we're going to send a bunch of Iowa farm boys to die in Taiwan, and then we keep buying their wind and solar. Plus, also, I mean, not to sound totally flippant, but one of the things they're worried about with climate change is rising sea levels. Uh, Who's better prepared than rising sea levels than the Navy? So you guys should be all set with climate change, right? You're all in boats. (laughs) It's your jam. stay in your boat and let the sea levels rise. You'll be fine. Yeah, so maybe maybe other branches of the military, if that was the claim. (laughs) But that's where you know it's a grift. But here's the other grift, okay? As they're forcing EVs on the country and banning gas-powered vehicles and everything in between, according to the budget proposal, it's the, the, it includes funding to lease electric vehicles for, here it is, non-tactical uses, meaning you go. they don't want them on a battlefield, Mrs. Electric is just as potent as you. No, it's not, because if they were, wouldn't they be on the battlefield? Yeah. You know, no, none of the people who push the EVs tend to actually want to use EVs. As far as I can tell, Biden every Friday gets on a, a, a gas-powered chopper and he fleds to his flies to his beach house in, in Delaware. All these governors that are forcing EVs uh, all have their, their gas-powered motorcades. Uh, um, so the, the EV craze is wonderful, like all socialism, right? As you push it upon the people, um, but you you give yourself an exemption. And we've seen this exemption. People like John Kerry, people like Bill Gates, they're always talking about how, well, they're important, so they're a little bit exempt. But the rest of you minions, you should drive your EVs. Again, I got no problem with EVs. I personally don't want one. I've done my research on, on EVs. I know what their shortcomings are. I think they're, quite frankly, very stupid. Let me be blunter. I think they're actually incredibly dangerous. And if it weren't politically correct 
and political pressure forcing that upon people, they shouldn't even be on the damn road. You know when your EV dies, if you let the battery die, that the doors and windows are locked and you could be potentially trapped inside? Now, they have a safety feature, usually in the front passenger side window, uh, that, that, that will override and that can manually open the door. But good luck getting my mom out of the back seat of the car because her back door doesn't work because the battery is dead. You know when the battery is dead, there's no such thing as neutral that you can push this thing onto a, 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 um, a tow truck and have it. No, because the, the, the wheels all lock, so it has to be lifted. Yeah. So, I mean, you look at certain of the drawbacks of electric vehicles and you say, who the hell would want one of these things? These things are actually kind of stupid when you think – no offense to Elon Musk – you know, but your your machine is quite frankly very very stupid. It is amateur hour compared to what a car does, and yet only because of government are we forcing people to drive these very stupid vehicles. That's a great point. Daniel Turner is on the line, and you know who agrees with Daniel Turner? The military, because the military is buying all yeah. these EVs, and they're like, but you know, no, when the game's on the line, no, no, we're not putting them in the game. No way. Okay. Imagine this- our military in electric tanks. It reminds me of that picture of Michael Dukakis wearing the tank helmet. Yeah. That's what we would see of our military of like, oh, here come the Americans. Uh-huh. Yeah, Rommel which, by the way, petrified. yeah, they're in an electric tank with, with a coexist sticker on the back. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're going into war with a sticker that says hate has no home here on the tank and meat Absolutely. is murder. Like, that's who we are now? <laughs> Like I, like the airlines that are putting those stickers that this airline is 100% LGBTQ. Oh so our military, our tank should have that. This tank is 100%, <laughs> and the Russians will be like, hit that one first. Uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's embarrassing. This is the military, right? Your job, in the words of the great Rush Limbaugh, your job is to break things and kill people. Yep. Your job is not to play these climate change games. And the fact that we're, we're, we're weaponizing our military, making it so weak, look at how the world is, respons- is, yep. is responding. That, that deal I mentioned very briefly, to yep. see the Chinese premier mm-hmm. brokering a peace negotiation between Iran and, the Soviet, and the Saudi Arabia. That's it, right? Yeah. Like, like that. That for history since World War II, that has been an American president yeah. brokering peace between two warring nations, and now it's China doing it. And if you think that's going to be good for America, you don't understand how the world works. No, they don't. They don't. That's the part that's crazy because Blinken's like, no, no, there's a good thing. No, that's us taking a step back and yeah. relinquishing a lot of our influence. It's a weird thing that's going on where it's like. You know, in so many ways, we seem to be selling ourselves out to China, but it's almost like it's choreographed in this weird way. And what I mean by that is when it comes to climate, if they're our biggest geopolitical foe and we're buying climate infrastructure off of them for our military, we are openly telling them, hey, we have priorities, you know, in case you ever get in a war with us, just so you understand, we have priorities other than winning. Like, aren't we kind of giving a little too much of a peek into our huddle? You're giving away a, a few too many details of what's important for us and where we're, we're putting our priorities. And our priorities are not about – well, you can't even say the words America first, but our priorities are not about America. They're not about our sovereignty or our economic success. Um, our priorities are on these these nonsense and, – and you know what is a good analogy to that? When you have a bank like Silicon Valley Bank whose mm-hmm. priority is not money for its shareholders, yeah. their priority is having the most diverse workforce in the nation. And congratulations, you are the most diverse bank in history to go down, right? <laughs> and you're going to cost the taxpayers billions of dollars 
It's not a bailout, Jimmy. Remember, it's a <laughs> it's a taxpayer funded leverage of price stabilization. It's not a bailout. You're going to cost us billions of dollars, but at least you're all sexually, you know, pansexual, purple haired, <laughs> transgendered, and and the rainbow. And you know what? If if, if I'm going to get killed, I might as well get killed by a rainbow. <laughs> Killing me. But listen, did you see their music video about the pronouns and the inclusion? I mean, who wouldn't want to go bankrupt? Who wouldn't want to lose their life savings? It's so embarrassing. But here's another point. Okay, since you got me there. Okay. And this is where it really does become a scam in terms of being a bailout is the FDIC. You know, they keep selling this as well. You know, we got to look out for the little people here. The little people are covered. Okay. The FDIC insures everything up to a quarter of a million dollars. So if you are not insured because of the failure of Silicon Valley Bank, you are not a small depositor. You are somebody no. with a hell of a whole lot of money. And, and and where is that money coming from? And the, the the funny thing is is how the Treasury Secretary, even Joe Biden, said this will not uh, be, be taxpayer money. This will be government money. I didn't know the government had all this money. You know what? Let's use government money for the war in Ukraine. Don't use taxpayer money. Use your own money. Yeah. The government seems to have all these pockets of money that I don't know where they have. And again, this is modern monetary theory, and this yeah. is this is leftism in a nutshell. They genuinely believe that all the money in the world is theirs, and they allow you to have some of it. It's... Um, and, and reality is all the money in America is privately held, and what the government has they have taken by force. Um, and, and so it's just nonsense to watch this bailout go through. And you know, if this was the 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 Bank of East Palestine, Ohio, and if this was the Farm Bureau Bank of Greater Omaha, hmm. no one would give a damn about it, right? No. But it's it's a climate bank, it's a green bank, it's a Democrat bank. Heck, Gavin Newsom had investments in this bank, and he's not even talking about it because he knows he's going to be fine. Um, so it's it's government pickers picking winners and losers like they do with wind and solar like they do with all these issues. And, you know, when we've eaten enough of their Marxist poison and we're all dead, those very people will try to prescribe the, the, the medicine for us. Who's ready for some comedy, everybody? Daniel Turner just killed off the whole population. We're having such a nice time, Daniel Turner, till you Bill Gates to us. It's unbelievable, man. I, I No, I, I get it, man. If we don't laugh at it, it's kind of a coping mechanism. But there really has – it's just never been a dumber time to be alive. And then last no. but not least – because we were talking about this yesterday. I was on Fox and Friends, me and Steve Ducey. And uh, we were talking. Whenever there's like a story about stoves, they always bring on a chubby guy because they know I'll be passionate about it. Like, what do you mean the stove? What do you mean Buffalo Wild Wings? I've noticed all my bookings are about food and cooking. They're like, a, who do we got that's chubby? And oh, Jimmy Philly, he gets the booking. But uh, we were talking about specifically washing machines and this idea that, you know, they're going to pass these high efficiency washing machines that are going to use less water. But ultimately what they're going to do is, you know, leave your clothes, le- you know, dirtier, drive up the cost of detergent, and they would s- screw the poor. So my guess is if this is going to become a government-mandated thing, the poor are going to get their washing machines subsidized at the expense of the rest of us. But we're going to be told like this bank bailout that we're not actually paying for somebody's washing machine. Is that the future? Absolutely. And and this is government tinkering in things that they think they know better than you do. Um, and, you know, the only problem with that great episode of Seinfeld when they all had to get forced to use the low flow shower heads uh-huh. is that the next episode they went back to having great hair. But in reality, you were stuck with the low-flow shower heads, like you're stuck with the low-flow toilets, like you're stuck with all of the other things government is forcing on us, whether it's going to be your gas stove, the washing machine is the newest trend, right? Government knows better than the private sector of how these appliances should work. And they force them, you know, they force them on 
the American people. The Biden's budget has over $400 billion in new green initiatives. You can't tell me this is a profitable, uh, efficient, uh, viable sector of the economy if it requires $400 billion additional dollars, additional dollars, yeah. not, not, yeah. not you know, re-upping, adding an additional $400 billion to force these things uh, that's a great uh, point. Upon us. That, that's why yeah. I, that's why I always laugh about you know the Inflation Reduction Act. Okay, if climate change was a priority, they would have passed a climate change bill, but they snuck it in under inflation reduction. They Trojan horsed us under inflation reduction. So that's the, I think it's the scam of the whole thing. Okay, listen, you you would be well within your rights to drop that f bomb we keep worrying about when you come on the show. Uh, but you have made it. <laughs> you have made it fifteen minutes. I'm going to let the people who bet on you keep their money. Uh, good job, my man. Thank you, Jimmy. Always a great time to You're be the with best, you. the best, DT. There he goes. There we go back after this. You're listening to the show that Standard & Poor describes as Standard & Poor. I would say he's incompetent, but I don't want to do that because that's not nice. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon doing the damn thing right here at Fox News headquarters where I will be on your television tonight with Jesse Waters on Waters World. Tomorrow night, you'll catch me on Hannity with Sean Hannity. Friday night, I am scheduled to be on Hannity as well. Uh, it's going to be a fun time. And uh, Saturday, just forget about it, man. It's crazy. I'm on Fox and Friends Saturday morning. I am co-hosting the big Saturday show at 5 p.m., and then Saturday night at 8 p.m., I will be on One Nation with the great Brian Kilmeade. So, yes, a lot of fail vision coming your way in the next few days. i got to get my life together. I'm a mess. Uh, but we're going to spend the next hour on the radio, and we're going to be chatting with Representative Ben Klein from the great state of Virginia off a Biden budget proposal, which, I got, man, I, it's weird. It's really weird that you got a president, okay, he understands the Republicans' control the power of the purse right now. So he understands his budget's going to be subjected to some additional scrutiny. It's not going to be just a, you know, wave him home Willie, old like Willie Randolph, the old third base coach for the Yanks, who always sent the runner. Paul O'Neill be coming around third on a walker. And Willie would be like, no, no, he's good. It'd run. Just run on this guy. It's going to be good. But anyway, okay, Biden has put forth a budget that is, it's laughable in the sense that it's nothing more than a, you know, I don't want to use the term virtue signal, but it's really like throwing a bone to his base in that it's all pie in the sky. None of it can get passed. But it gives him the opportunity to say to his base, hey, I tried for all the stupid things you want, but those Republicans, they wouldn't let me. And that's kind of what this proposal constitutes. It's him looking for something to campaign on as opposed to, you know, something that might help the American people. This is politics as usual. It's madness. You know, it might help the American people, really. And this is a shameless plug right here. But maybe coming out to the Tower Theater in Bend, Oregon on April 7th to see a radio buddy. Maybe going to the Egyptian Theater in Boise, Idaho, April the 8th. There's 10 tickets left. You could buy those. Or you could go see me at Bananas Comedy Club April 21st and 22nd. You could go do those things. They might help the American people. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> You're right. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Well, 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 look who is back in action for a big hour, a plus-sized hour of Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. 
We're going to be talking about the budget proposal from this president. Biden is such a disaster. A lot of people feel that way. One of them happens to be an elected representative from the great state of Virginia, Ben Klein, who's going to be joining us from the 6th District in this hour. Uh, We're also going to have, man, oh boy, oh man, uh, we're going to revisit the 2024 campaign trail for a minute as well, because there have been some really silly attacks levied in the media in the last 24 hours. The media is a bunch of losers. They really are. And one of the people who used to work for the White House has now joined the media. You remember the woman who was brought in uh, is the first White House press secretary, uh, before we had Corrine Jean-Pierre going through her binder. You don't have a clue. Every day. Let me check the binder. Let me, uh, you know, she has no idea what she's doing, and that's fine. I, I don't begrudge her that. She might be a nice woman. But she was preceded by Jen Psaki. Psaki sucks. Kaylee was so much better. And Jen Psaki is top of mind right now for me. Okay, I met Jen Psaki at the White House Correspondents' Dinner. If you remember, I posted a picture on the Facebook page of myself and Jen Psaki. That was embarrassing. No, stop it. We actually had a nice time. Jen Psaki was really cool at a cocktail party. Like, really cool. Like, we had a beer. We talked about TV, talked about politics for a minute. And then the next night, I saw her on the red carpet when the cameras were on. And she was like, yo, you don't even, you get the f- away from me. Don't even look. I don't even know you. That's just how white folks will do you. It was hilarious. But Jen Psaki... Something she said that I found funny yesterday I was talking about Joe Biden, and she claimed he doesn't do anything before 9 a.m. because Joe Biden is a night owl. He's so busy at night running around the house. Sell crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. But I wanted you to hear this. There's a reason. It is clip 10. Let's also take oh, a look. I screwed up. It's clip nine. <laughs> now, it's important to note, President Biden does nothing at 9 a.m. He is a night owl. So the fact that he is doing this at 9 a.m. anyway speaks to how uh, vital the White House recognizes it is for him to have his voice out there conveying that to the American public. That is a lie. <laughs> Joe Biden's a night owl. You know, the guy who calls a lit at one in the afternoon. Two in the afternoon, Joe Biden has spent over 60% of his presidency in Delaware. Does that sound like a guy is, you know, tripping the live fantastic, as Paul McCartney once said? The answer would be no. No, stomp it. But that's part of the, you know, the propaganda effort being waged in the media on behalf of this Democratic president. And I bring it up because Jen Psaki also, she was on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. And again, I listen. I don't want to give her a hard time in a moment of pure human suffering. But if you're going on the Stephen Colbert show, uh, that is not a good place to be in your life. He knows what he's talking about. Oh, my God. Stephen Colbert is embarrassing. I mean, it's, you know, it's it's group therapy for self-hating white people. They just get in the room. Oh, the middle of the country is bad. MAGA, orange bed, January 6th, anti-vaxxers. You know, it's all silly, stupid stuff. But here she is on MSNBC, trying to make the point that Fox News is bad over at MSNBC. They have a high standard of what is factual before it makes it onto the airwaves. You're not telling me the truth. <laughs> Listen to this clip. Just It's clip 22. I think this is an important piece to dive into because MSNBC has a very high standard of 
what is factual. You have to go through a process before you report things on air to make sure they are factual and you have sources. That Ooh. is how news should Ooh. work. Now can you, you stop that for a second? Opinion. One second. This is important. You are so full of sh- Okay, I want to know right there. So let's stop right there because this is the statement. i give you the rest of it in a minute. You have to go through a process before you report things on the air to make sure they are factual and you have sources. That's the claim. The highest rated anchor on MSNBC is Rachel Maddow. Now, if you've been paying attention to the vaccine debate, you know the CEO of Pfizer International testified before the European Parliament that they didn't even test the vaccine to see if it stopped transmission. The vaccine is a therapeutic, a vaccine by name only. But here is Rachel Maddow, the highest rated, most prominently featured person on MSNBC. So popular on the channel, she is the Howard Stern deal, where she just shows up when she feels like it. She's not even on four nights a week, five nights a week. She's on one night a week. Okay, here is Rachel Maddow on the air, according to Jen Psaki, having gone through a process before you report this to make sure she is factual and has sources. Here's her take on a vaccine that we all know does not stop transmission. Okay, and probably doesn't even reduce your chances of dying, given the amount of people that have died from a vaccine. But most importantly of all, reporting with absolute certainty that you have to get the vaccine because if you get the vaccine, you can't get COVID. But again, my question would be, Jen Psaki, if there is this factual process with data and sources, was it a three-day weekend when this was reported? It means that instead of the vaccine being able, excuse me, it means for instead of the virus being able to hop from person to person to person to person, spreading and spreading, sickening some of them, but not all of them, and the ones that it doesn't sicken don't know they have it, and then they give it to even more people because they didn't recognize they were, right? Instead of the virus being able to hop from person to person to person, potentially mutating and becoming more virulent and drug-resistant along the way. Now we know that the vaccines work well enough that the virus stops with every vaccinated person. A vaccinated person gets exposed to the virus. The virus does not infect them. The virus cannot then use that person to go anywhere else. It cannot use a vaccinated person as a host to go get more people. That means the vaccines will get us to the end of this. But according to Jen Psaki, no, MSNBC is a very high standard of what is factual. That is a fact check false. Here's a montage that aired on MSNBC that I found pretty interesting. This is, I listen, I don't know. I thought it was interesting. You can tell me it's not interesting, but I, you know, I don't know. I continue to think that our voting machines are too vulnerable. In 2018, electronic voting machines in Georgia and Texas deleted votes for certain candidates or switched votes from one candidate to another. The biggest seller of voting machines is doing something that violates cybersecurity 101, directing that you install remote access software, which would make a machine like that, you know, a magnet for fraudsters and hackers. These voting machines can be hacked quite easily. You could easily hack into them. It makes it seem like all these states are doing different things, but in fact, three companies are controlling this. There are a lot of states that are dealing with antiquated machines. 
right, which are vulnerable to being hacked. Workers were able to easily hack into an electronic voting machine. It was possible to switch votes. Forty-three percent of American voters use voting machines that researchers have found have serious security flaws including back doors. We know how vulnerable now our systems were. We know, I know the hackathon that took place last year where virtually every machine was broken into fairly quickly. I actually held a demonstration for my colleagues here at the Capitol um, where we brought in um, folks who, before our eyes, hacked election machines. Um, <laughs> those that are not, those that are being used in many states. <laughs> you sound insane. Do you realize that? You should be medicated. But the point is, those aren't NBC anchors. But that's something NBC was happy to run. MS, MSNBC was happy to run. Why? Because if it hates Republicans, if it hurts Republicans, if it portrays them in a bad light, they put it on the air immediately. Here's MSNBC yesterday. Okay, this is MSNBC. Okay, flat out saying, Ron DeSantis wants to live in a country with no gay people. And so he supports Russia in the war against Ukraine. Is there any data? Is there any factual vetting process to support this? The answer would be no. Here it is, clip 18. We shouldn't overlook the the anti-woke guy, Ron DeSantis. His ideal is Putin's Russia, where there are no gay people, where there are no women in power, (laughs) where they're all Christians. That's how he wants to see the world. That's the world. They, that's why they love Putin and they love autocrats. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. They're just like listen to the people here, okay? Because that's on MSNBC. Okay, no, Putin supports Russia because he's one gay. I mean, DeSantis doesn't want any gay people in his country. Yo, Ron DeSantis is the biggest gay population in America in his state. He's not asking him to leave. The point is MSNBC is confirmation bias, like Stephen Colbert group therapy for self-hating white people. That's why she was able to go on Stephen Colbert and talk about their high standards of vetting and facts with no pushback from the other self-hating white person she was sitting across from. That's why nobody is calling BS on demonstrably false statements by Joe Biden. Two nights ago, what did Joe Biden say? Oh, I had an epiphany on gay marriage when I was in high school. And that's when I began to support it. Oh, really? Because you voted against it for 50 years. Hey, you know when you have an epiphany and you fall so, so in love with something that you spend 50 years fighting against it? Don't you hate when that happens? It's just the worst. These people are just they are so full of it, man. And that's the thing I'm politically passionate about. I don't care what your policies are. I don't care what you support. But the willingness to just get in front of a microphone or a TV camera and just lie to people. Like people just really like they take no personal responsibility for how they're affecting society. Like I try so hard when I get on the air to just be honest with you, meaning I never lie to you. If I get something wrong, like a data point or something, you can call in and be like, hey, fatso. You know, you said it was 0.77. It was 0.187. Oh, fine. There you go. I don't care. I don't need to be right, but I do need to be honest with you. There's a lot of people listening to this show. There's a lot of people watching me on TV. I feel an obligation to you, your quality of life, and the impact my words might have on a, a group of people, you know, to kind of be careful with them. You know, when I'm telling jokes, of course not. I'll say whatever the hell I want. It's comedy. The world's on fire. The people trying to keep you laughing are not the bad guys. Believe me.
It's the people making up bad guys. It's the people pretending to be good guys. The Rachel Maddows of the world that are willing to get on TV with a Stephen Colbert, you know, and tell you with a straight face. No, no, you don't understand. We're the good guys. Those other guys, they're terrible. We're just looking out for you. You got to understand. Don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. Well, no, to be fair, they're not peeing on your leg and telling you it's raining. They're peeing on your leg and they're telling you it's climate change. Bingo, man. Bingo. The critics have spoken. You snotty little bastard. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Doing the damn thing on a Wednesday. I can tell you such a funny time to be on the radio right now. So we're going through this weird political birth canal where the field is still taking shape on the right. The Democrats are trying to make peace with the fact that Joe Biden should be the nominee. Nobody believes that internally. They look at him and they're like, This man needs a retirement home and a warm bowl of soup. But it appears that Joe Biden likes being first lady. I mean, to be clear, she likes being president. But she, uh, you know, is probably going to make him go out there and try to serve four more years. That's not right. I mean, if you've been watching Biden, man, it's a hard thing to be around the stumbling and the bumbling. And I'm not saying it to make fun of the guy. I've I had this in my own family. It's a hard thing to watch somebody go through, let alone the leader of the free world. But it's the reason they're able to roll him on all of these woke initiatives. You know, it's the reason you're bailing out a Silicon Valley bank that prioritized everything except making money. So here's their seminar video that they had shared on social media. This, this is who was running the bank that went bankrupt. And I want you to know that on their entire board of directors, they only had one person with a background in banking. Yet they're like, no, no, this is good. It's going to be fine. Here it is. Clip five. We talked about folks that are non-binary that intentionally don't identify as male or female. So some of those folks use they, them as their pronouns. Z is another gender-neutral pronoun. Um, and the other part of that would be here, spelled H-I-R. This is the board of directors that's supposed to be in charge of your money. That is financial lunacy. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! This one, Kevin O'Leary, if you know him from Shark Tank. He was on Hannity last night. I'll be on Hannity tomorrow night. Okay. Kevin O'Leary had money in this bank, and he explained that he has money in a bunch of banks because he's a gazillionaire, but that he came to realize this bank was run by idiots. Here it is, clip one. I don't care what bank we're talking about anymore. You as a depositor have no risk whatsoever. So what stops the idiot bank manager going forward from doing anything they want within the regulatory environment, taking as much risk as possible to get the stock price of that bank up, that that's how they're compensated? This is going to create some very perverse acts by bank managers and crazy behaviors. And in the end, it's, it's not a long-term solution whatsoever. No, it's not, because you understand the message here is, well, this bank... You know, they went kaput because they were filming music videos about pronouns instead of learning how to manage money and balance their debt and the interest rates and the outstanding obligations and everything in between. And what did they do? They sold this bailout. It's a bailout. Taxpayers are paying for it. 
Okay, the taxpayers. There's no other fund. Any fund the government has was paid for by taxpayers. That's how this works. The government doesn't have like its own money. The government is funded by your money. That's how it works. That's why people don't want the government getting involved in bailing things out and providing us with anything besides the basic things they're supposed to be offering us in exchange for our tax dollar. Okay, but understand, when the government goes like, ah, we'll bail out the banks, okay, where's the money coming from? It's coming from taxes. It's coming from your pocket and mine. Thanks, big government weenuses. And who are they bailing out? They're bailing out rich people. The FDIC, also the government, is an insurance against bank deposits implemented after the Great Depression to stop people from bank runs, from triggering collapses. So the FDIC insures every deposit up to $250,000. So anybody with more than $250,000 in a bank account, here's a newsflash. You're doing okay. If you got $250,000 in a bank account, you got money. You're doing okay. You're not one of the little guys. Okay, 70% of this country is living paycheck to paycheck. So when you go out and you start bailing out people with more than $250,000 in a particular bank account because they're not FDIC insured above those limits, you're not bailing out the little guy. The little guy is the guy with less than $250,000. He's already protected, oh, by the way, by government money. But now we're throwing government money at the big people in the name of protecting the little people. And why are we doing this fraud? Because those big people... We're invested in things like diversity and equity and inclusion and climate change. So the government's priorities in this instance supersede financial sound banking. Government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Fired up to talk to this next guest. Not only a star representative from the 6th Congressional District of Virginia, but if you've ever seen him on TV, guy has a very solid tie game. Uh, joining us now to bring us inside that process and so much more, Representative Ben Klein is here. Hey, man, how you doing? Jimmy, always good to be with you. Hope everything's going well. Um, are, are, seriously, just come clean with the American people. Who's in charge of the ties in uh, District 6? That is Mrs. Klein. Uh, <laughs> she, she picks out the ties and does a great job. That is really funny. You know, like here at Fox News, we have a wardrobe department, uh, but they do not want credit for anything I wear on the air. They're like, no, we don't even know that guy. <laughs> no, Mrs. Mrs. Klein's doing a better job. She could probably work in our wardrobe department. I think their sensibilities and hers align probably more than mine. But, no, those are some solid ties. Now, let me ask you this, though, because I, I know you didn't come on to discuss your sartorial splendor. Um, there you go. But would we be better suited to invest in some ties as opposed to the things in this Biden budget proposal? This Biden budget proposal is uh... – is doubling down on the failed policies of the past two years, woke and weaponized government as far as the eye can see, deficits into perpetuity, and uh, debt more than doubling uh, over the next 10 years, you know, paying trillions, $10 trillion in just interest on the debt that's going to be 
uh, accrued through this budget. I'm trying the point I'm, I'm trying to make to my listeners, and like almost I'm almost oversimplifying it is when you talk about the money we're paying on interest alone, you're not talking about a government like if this is a credit card where we're not even lowering the balance, we're just paying the interest. Right, right. We're just managing to tread water by paying these trillion dollar uh, payments in just interest. And so we've got to do a better job of not just uh, reducing these deficits, but actually paying off some of this debt so that our children and grandchildren aren't going to be saddled with it long term. Yeah, and I think that's the concern is there doesn't seem to be that appetite everywhere in Washington. Like the Republicans having the power of the purse is, you know, great. Uh, But on the other side of the aisle, any type of a spending cut is always portrayed as some type of hateful, malicious act. When I think if you were really going through our budget right now and our expenditures, I think there's obviously a lot of redundancy. And we're also, in a lot of ways, using our social safety net to support things that don't need it. Like we all agree people who can't provide for themselves should be provided for. But on some level, have we not subsidized a lot of able-bodied people at the same time? Oh, absolutely. We've got a program for everything. And yes, we want to protect Social Security and Medicare. For those who are currently enrolled in Social Security and Medicare, they've come to depend on these programs. And we want to make sure that they can continue to depend on them as needed. But for my kids, uh, you know, the, they need to have a a future and an America that is going to still stand for the, the great things that it stood for when you and I were growing up. And, uh, and that's going to have to come through prioritization of other programs where uh, all of the stuff that's out there is not going to be able to be uh, continuing at the federal level. And whether it's block granting to the states or whether it's eliminating federal programs altogether, uh, we're going to have to start doing it. If we need to put in work requirements for welfare, we've had to, we've, we've been wanting to do that for a long time, but we're going to have to rethink the way that the federal government interacts with uh, its citizens and with the world, because we can't just continue to, when you're talking about foreign aid, we can't mm-hmm. continue to just be uh, throwing American taxpayer dollars around the world. Uh, we've fought a war on poverty, both here and abroad. And uh, and it's it's been a uh, war on poverty that we have not won. Yeah. So uh, poverty still exists, and we got to figure out some smarter ways to fight it. I'll give you that. We're talking to Representative Ben Klein from the great state of Virginia. Um, is it weird to you uh, that Biden is placing the emphasis that he is on background checks right now? And in essence, like we're kind of fighting law-abiding citizens harder than we're fighting criminals. Doesn't that strike you as odd? Not when you're talking about Joe Biden and and his West Wing, which is full of uh, left wingers from the Obama administration, Susan Rice running the policy shop for domestic policy. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're going to be after gun control. They're going to be more taxes, more um, more spending, more deficit spending and and uh, absolutely no accountability. Uh, so we're determined to provide that accountability in the House now that we have the majority. That's why I'm proud to be on Jim Jordan's Judiciary Committee. Mm-hmm. And uh, between him and, and Jamie Comer, they're doing a great job of uh, making sure and bringing to light all of the wrongdoing of the past uh, couple of years and looking forward, making sure that we make the reforms needed to uh, 
uh, put this country on the right track. Yeah, for sure. The only thing I would say, because Jim Jordan comes on the show quite a bit, is does it concern you when it comes to his judgment that he's a Cleveland Browns fan? <laughs> that That is a concern, absolutely. It's a, we're, uh, we're betting but, a lot on a Browns fan. so many positive qualities. I'll, I'll, I'm you can overlook it? A little bit of a right. break on that. Because yeah. I'm concerned. Like, this is the thing, okay? Like, I talk to him. I'm like, yes, yeah, makes sense. I'm with you. I'm right behind you. I get it. I'm all in on this. And then, uh, you know, Sunday rolls around. I see a tweet about the Browns or the Bengals. I, I, I got to tell you, it frightens me. So, uh, No, I know. As a, as a Steelers fan, I, I uh, it frightens me, too. <laughs> well, my kid will be happy to know I had a Steelers fan on today. I'm New York-based, but my son is a, is a big Steeler fan. And uh, you know oh, we're, good, we're good. on the radio in the Berg, so yeah, we'll, we're waving terrible towels for you on Sunday. But uh, try there to try to convert Jordan uh, before your next appearance on the show. And thanks for your time today, my man. Hey, thanks again. Appreciate it. Have a good one. There he goes, Representative Ben Klein from the state of Virginia, a Steelers fan. Lincoln Fala will love that. Lincoln. So Lincoln Fala, here's his deal. He, because of uh, his cousin Jonathan, uh, Jonathan is like Lincoln's. You know, the closest thing he has to an older brother. Uh, and so Jonathan very much impacts his pop culture preferences. Most of the good, dirty jokes he knows from Jonathan and stuff like it's great. They have the, they just have just the best time hanging out. Uh, but when Lincoln became a football guy, he you know naturally just kind of gravitated towards Jonathan. You can't really get a team out of me because I'm just betting the game. Like I'm rooting for whoever covers the spread. You know what I mean? So you know he's always asked like, "Who do you like?" I'm like, "I don't." You know, <laughs> I like paying the mortgage. That's what I like, Link man. Uh, but here's the thing: when you hear him bring up, as Representative Klein did, you know. The debt. And we don't talk about it enough. But the single biggest obstacle facing us in this country right now is the debt. You know, modern monetary theory is that there's no such thing as too much debt. You can just keep printing money. Don't worry about it. We'll just keep printing money and, you know, devaluing our currency, driving up the cost of goods because there's too many dollars chasing too few goods cripple the population with inflation and give all the money to Ukraine uh, when we're not busy doing those things. Okay, that's what's going on right now. And it's crazy. And you realize when it comes to our debt in this country, like just look at I say this every day. My prism through which I view the country politically is running a family. Okay, look at the government with a family We have X amount of income. We have Y amount of bills. We have what we want to do. We have what we need to do. Do you understand? And if you prioritize the government that way, you know, you can find a sustainable path forward. But you understand as a family, America, as a family, we now have so much credit card debt that the monthly payments we're throwing into it aren't lowering the balance. So let's say you owe 100000 Okay, the interest is so high that all we're paying is the interest. And at the end of the month, you still owe that 100000 At the end of the next month, you still owe the 100000 The month after that, not a good thing. So when you're talking about what we want to do versus what we need to do, okay, what do we want to do? Oh, the kids want to go to Disneyland every weekend. Okay, well, what would we need to do in order to make that happen? Dad would have to throw on a blonde wig, powder his Adam's apple, and turn some tricks behind Space Mountain. Hence the need for a balance between what we want and what we need. It doesn't exist in Washington right now. A show so good, it's frightening. I got scared. I dropped my hot pocket. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. 
Wow, they're playing Poison by Belle Biv DeVoe. Song was actually written about the vaccine. A lot of people, I'm kidding, stop it. Who is this guy? Who is this anti-vax lunatic? Stop it. We're just having a silly time. And it's about to get sillier because joining us now, one of the head writers for the Gutfeld Show, frequent guest as well, a nationally touring stand-up comedian who undoubtedly has lots of shows to tell us about, Joe DeVito, back in the house. Hey, man. How are you? Belle Biv DeVoe. Can you confirm or deny the rumor that Belle Biv DeVoe was anti-vax? I don't know that. I do know that uh, you should never trust a big button to smile. Everybody. I've lived by those words. <laughs> Your whole life? My whole life. No, I've had to... moments of weakness. I've I... been tempted. No, I want to revisit that lyric. Yes. It's interesting you bring that up. Mm. Because when it was written, okay, there was a time when big butts were demonized in our culture. Sure. Homie the Clown on In Living Color <laughs> in one of his homie don't play that's famously yeah. said guys don't make passes at girls with fat asses. Wow. I beg to differ, Homie the Clown. How times have changed. Yeah, has Homie McClown been to a Nicki Minaj concert anytime <laughs> soon? Not a big Cardi B fan, perhaps, Joe DeVito? I, I just heard about, uh, uh, I guess she's a rapper, Black China, mm. and she's getting all of her implants removed and her fillers taken out. And uh, by the time they're done, she's going to look like Steve Urkel. But she she had a lot of things <laughs> resident yeah. in her body. I always laugh about that because Black China isn't politi- terribly politically active. Yeah. But what? But who are a lot of the climate change people who are anti-plastic, like John Kerry? Yeah, I'm like I can't have a plastic straw. You can have a plastic face. Yeah, and he's and got, he goes in the ocean. To be clear, he windsurfs and stike kite surfs. Yeah, well, the ocean of of Botox. <laughs> He's got the good melty face. He, he does have that. Joe DeVito is in the studio. Watch him on Gutfeld. <laughs> he writes for the show. He makes all kinds of magic happen. Did you by chance in your travels today, Joe Biden posted a note that he claims was written to him by a little girl, and she wanted yeah. to know about the gender pay gap and all of that. But it struck me as one of those tweets that we always make fun of. Greg will make fun of a lot, too, yeah. where someone's like, you know, my five-year-old came yes. into the room and was like, Daddy, climate change. Yeah, the woke eight-year-olds are always coming in and talking about Oslo Accords and stuff like that. And <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you doing to your child that you, they're, they're like, this politically aware? Yeah, because, like, yeah. one, it's not true. But yeah. two, if it was, you'd be a horrible human being to have projected yeah. all of these anxieties onto your child. They're always using the kid as, like, the cudgel to break the door down. Like, oh, even the kids are worried. But if the kids are worried, it's because you worried them. Did your parents force politics onto you at an early age? Not at all. Not right? at all. My, my parents grew up, uh, you know, working class in the Bronx. They, they didn't have time. They were trying yeah. to get ahead with their lives. Uh-huh. We don't even really talk politics now. Yeah, right. We, we, we have our lives to live. But it is, it's a strange thing the way children are used that the, they, they have these child saints like Greta. Always, oh, we have to listen to this person. But then if you say, I think they're talking nonsense, how dare you say this about a child? <laughs> That's a child. Yeah. You can't say that about it. Yeah. It's funny you say that. So Chadwick Moore was on this show yesterday. Troublemaker. Big yeah. time. <laughs> so Chadwick Moore was on the show yesterday. He was talking about specifically how, like, you know, we referred to the trans movement as, like, it's almost like a manufactured civil rights movement. You've yeah. got to do it on an operating table. They're creating a class of, you know, marginalized people. Um, but he was talking about how, in a weird way, it's only a rich people issue. Like, you're never growing up in a working class house. Yeah. Where, you know, we hope we're going to make it this month. And, like, and by the way, we need that extra money because Steve wants to become Stacy. Uh, yeah, yeah. You don't hear too much about how a kid's saving up for his chest binder. <laughs> it, it's, just, it's, such, it's such a crazy world we live in now that, you know, and look, there's some people who have legitimate gender dysphoria. I feel like they're not even part of this conversation. No, they're not. The, the political transgenderism 
is this wild thing where I can't think of any better show of toxic masculinity than a, a, a biological male forcing their way onto the girls' team. Isn't it amazing that all the people fighting the patriarchy... The patriarchy yeah. is back. They just had to throw on a dress. We did, we, we, <laughs> we did it again, white men. You can't keep us down. White, you can't. You, no matter what, white men going to find a way. Mm. <laughs> the white man going to find a way. Joe DeVito is here. We're having laughs. I laughed about that, and there was a woman. It was the Florida. It was a, the Democrats in the Florida legislature had a little rally yeah. yesterday where they accused Republicans of erasing trans babies. There is no <laughs> world. <laughs> A baby comes out and goes, ah, and it farts or whatever it does. Yeah. There's no world where that thing yeah. thinks it's trapped in the wrong body. It doesn't even know it's in a body. It was just in someone else's body. <laughs> it's, so it's too early. Yeah, I was once a man trapped in a woman's body for about nine months. <laughs> and I was able to burrow in my way out. It's so, I, I don't know what they want. Is uh, Every time a child is born now, do we just swap their gender and let it sort itself out? Uh, what's so the end game? Crazy. Well, that's yeah. the part I think is barbaric. Yeah. Because I think you could speak to your own experience growing up. Mm-hmm. How much between the ages of five and 12 do your tastes change? One would hope. <laughs> One would hope. Yeah. And it's so crazy that, again, we, we try to say, well, we're supposed to listen to the child on this. And you really almost never should Ever. listen to a child no. because we were That's children. They, yeah. You don't put that burden on them. I don't say yeah. to diminish the limited experience of a child. And yet somehow uh, you're supposed to be able to stay on your parents' health insurance until you're 26 yeah. because you're not an adult yet. Yeah. So, but it's the classic. It's a symptom of modern life, the wanting to play it multiple ways without the, the acceptance of that. If you make this choice, you're saying no to this thing over here. But people people don't want that. Unbelievable. Uh, I, I agree with you because there is a little – there's this weird like have it both ways mentality. Mm. So here's a good example of that too. We were talking about the Navy earlier. Yes. This is kind of like a – It's a we're, we're doing a rewind right now. Just through no fault of your own, you're being walked through this whole show a second time. Fantastic. So what we were doing – What a treat for the listening audience. Well, <laughs> hey, DeVito, you're the best. So we were talking about how the Navy is increasing its spending on climate initiatives. Mm. Um, but it's a have-it-both-ways thing in that they're going to allocate funding for non-tactical electrical vehicles, meaning they don't trust electrical vehicles yeah. on a battlefield. Mm. But they're going to increase funding on the bases themselves. But the reason I bring up that it's kind of a habit both ways is they are trying to force on you and me electric vehicles. But they're admitting that if this is a war, we don't want to rely on an electric vehicle. So it's kind of like, uh, you know, almost an admission, almost as the kids say, a cell phone, that maybe these things aren't as dependable as we're being told. Well, uh, I think there's a name for non-tactical electrical vehicles. They're called golf carts, <laughs> and uh, you can scoot around on those if you want. But yeah, I, I don't really see the you know what are you going to have a, a solar-powered tank? And oh, it's cloudy. We'll have to come back tomorrow. Oh, if you knew what our tax will look like in ten years with the coexist stickers and the you know, <laughs> hey, there's no home here. I'm mm. like, it's a war. Yeah, uh, this, the the whole inclusive army thing it doesn't work for me because I always think back to the fact that any war movie you've ever watched, yeah. you don't even have to serve to know this. There's no room for discrimination on a battlefield. No one's yeah. ever going to say like, "Cover me, I'm going in," except for you people. You know, <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm going to be a little vulnerable on the left because I don't want to get shot at by you guys. You've never seen that in the war movie, have you? No. Well, we also hear people want to be able to express themselves, and there's a reason why they call it a uniform. Uh-huh. When you're in the military, you're not supposed to be an individual anymore. I mean, you're supposed to be Imagine part of this that. larger, larger cause where uh-huh. you put those things aside. But again, we don't we don't do that anymore. Well, now that we're both canceled, um, you sure. should focus on your comedy career for a minute before we go. Uh, is there anywhere specific they yes. should go see Joe DeVito? This weekend. 
and Royal Oak, Michigan at the Comedy Castle. Oh, Thursday, come on. Friday, yeah, great, great club. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Royal Oak, Michigan, the Comedy. That's a banger. That's a great club. And I got um, just updated my schedule at JoeDeVito.com, and you can follow me at, at Joe DeVito Comedy. It's right in the name, people, at Come Joe DeVito on. Comedy on the social media that's destroying society. <laughs> what a win for the It's my favorite thing about it. We all talk all day about it. Yeah, it's the devil. <laughs> By the way, you can check me out on Twitter. Uh, Joe DeVito, an honor and a privilege as always. Let's do it again Pleasure soon. Pleasure was mine. Show is over. I'll see you tonight on Waters World. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.